you are about to see the first public exhibition of an entirely new form of entertainment. You are about to see. You are about to see. That belongs in a museum. You are about to see the first public exhibition of an entirely new form of entertainment. That belongs in a museum. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Treasury Cast, the show that celebrates the greatest comics format of all time, the Treasury Edition, proud member of the Fine Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly. And joining us this month for our annual Christmas episode, we'll be discussing the Rudolph Treasuries that DC put out across the 70s. Rudolph was DC's biggest treasury star, bigger than Superman, bigger than Batman. Look, there's only two guests I ever imagined that I would have on to talk about these fun comics with, and they are the duo behind the Comics Ought to Be Fun website, Bully the Little Stuffed Bull. That's me. (laughs) Hi, Bully. And his assistant, John DeBello. Hi, John. And that's me. Hi, Rob. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you both. I have been reading the Comics Ought to Be Fun blog for years now. Years and and years and years. And yet, Bully, how old are you, Bully? I'm only seven. Becomes like comic book time. Uh, He just drags it behind him. (laughs) Absolutely. Bully is incredibly charming. Now, of course, we know now, you know, for right now, Bully, I know it's uh, it's past your bedtime, so I know you're going to head yeah. off and you're going to going to you're going to leave John here, and we're going to discuss the I'm, Rudolph Treasuries. But thank you for being here. I'm all, I'm only going off because it's almost Christmas and I have to behave. <sighs> have so, a good night, Bully. Good night, can I, Rob? <laughs> and and no listening from around the corner, Bully. I'll 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 let you listen when it's up on the. Okay, bye. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Bully. <laughs> well john again thank you thank you so much for doing this oh, thank um, you. yeah i said i truly love the comics ought to be fun blog why don't you explain to people just a little bit of like what it's all about for people who haven't, haven't it, seen it, it has been so amorphous for many years and uh it started off as just a way for bully to say this comic is fun this comic is not fun and we were doing weekly reviews and i started posting pictures of ben Grimm, you know one a day for a year and it got into you know a number of essays where he talks very silly about uh comics or has fun with something and recently we've been uh, kind of focusing on today in comics history which is where you take a panel that says um it's december 6th and superman is off to the supermarket and i'll post that on december 6th and hmm. uh you can you can see what happens every day there's been a couple times i've been very lax with the blog i help fully type because it's uh it's a little difficult with his little hooves but he usually has good ideas but uh, a couple times i've given up on uh, the blog and i've just said that's it goodbye and especially during the pandemic it was like i need some outlet to put all these ideas on and the general idea behind it all is comics ought to be fun i mean even if it's a sad comic and intense comic something with real political importance you're going to take some joy from it and that's what we're always trying to put across and you do you do uh you said i've been i've been reading the site for so long and i just find bully to be a wonderfully charming host slash mascot and he, he, he's a great pal <laughs> I, I think it's just it's it's just it's just kind of you know i i grew up that way you know comics ought to be fun not that they can't be more yeah. and they can't be dark and they can't be adult and they can't be lots of other things but they ought to be fun too you know yeah. and uh, we've gotten away from that and so that was why for the longest time i've been wanting you on the show to talk about these treasuries well these are pure fun <laughs> they sure are I, and, I love these yeah i mean when i was i will admit when i was a kid i didn't buy these i didn't buy the Rudolph treasuries i was <laughs> buying superman i was buying batman i was buying right. spider-man i was like no oh, that's for little kids but you know you go back and you look at the history of the treasuries the dc treasuries rudolph headlined seven dc so many of them treasury editions yeah. i mean that is equal to superman it is more than batman and it, it is more than any other character and that says something about the where comics were that dc was still able 
to sell Rudolph treasuries well into the late. I mean, he was a big treasury star and that just, I, I just find that so charming that, uh, that there was still that audience as late as like 78, 79 that were, were buying these books. I have to imagine they sold well for DC or they wouldn't have kept doing, including eventually a summer, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Rudolph summer fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I, I grew up, um, in the sixties and early seventies, uh, probably a little bit older than a lot of my peers. I talk with comics about online or in person. Um, so a lot of people, when they say, what's the first comic you read and they'll come out with, Oh, you know, X-Men, Batman, Superman, the flash. And when I was a kid, um, my mother, uh, was very, uh, great and encouraging me to read so that included books and comics she would buy me comics generally used um but they were always uh, kids comics it was disney uh golden uh comics treasury dennis the menace occasionally a narchie because those were a little sexy um <laughs> somewhere in my collection i've got the three mouseketeers number six which would have been the first dc comic i ever had wow. <laughs> so i did have a lot of comics uncle scrooge was a particular favorite i didn't have any treasuries myself um i didn't start collecting them until college somebody gave me a copy of the um treasury with the legion of superheroes and princess projector and uh, karate kids wedding the wedding right okay and yeah. i was like oh this format is really cool and i started to collect them after that and uh you know one of my favorites was the thor with the jack kirby art and just you know seeing that in this widescreen uh format was amazing and the superman and muhammad ali which oh, sure. of course is the greatest comic in the universe so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, it's you know like you said, it, it was it's great that DC was still selling. They wouldn't have been doing Rudolph every year if they weren't they weren't selling them. And you know, we we did cover the summer fun uh, treasury a couple of years ago with uh, with Dan Greenfield. And over the years, I've kind of made little sideswipes at Rudolph. You know, because it's like, oh God, you know, Tarzan, and then the Bible and Shazam, <laughs> and then oh God, another Rudolph. But I've always <laughs> wanted to get to them. I've always wanted to talk about them because they are a big part of the treasury format of the seventies. And so I'm really so glad that we're finally going to get a chance to to talk about these. Now I will warn everybody, we're going to be covering all six of the Christmas, Christmas, it's tough to say Christmas treasuries all in one go. We are not going to get into detailed plot synopses of the various stories because they're kind of similar from story to story. It, 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 it's frequently, um, uh, you know, it's it's Christmas Eve. Oh, no, Christmas isn't going to happen uh, because <laughs> Rudolph did something silly. And then it's all solved. And every every single one of them has a happy ending with no reservation whatsoever. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I did make some genuine discoveries looking these over again. Right. If things I didn't really notice, and we'll get into that as we go through it. Before I even start all that, though, I, I have to uh, sort of quasi-dedicate this episode because part of the research, uh, well, no, no, excuse me, all the research for this episode in terms of when these issues came out, the stories they featured, where they were reprinted from, if they right. were new stories, the credits, they all came from one place. And that is Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Absolutely. Um, that website for anybody who is interested in researching comics, it is an absolutely invaluable site. It just it just is. And I, like a lot of people, was very saddened to learn that fairly recently that the only the, the Mike of Mike's Amazing World, Mike uh Voyles, I hope I'm saying that right, unfortunately, uh passed away. Yes. And his family left a very nice tribute up to him on the main page, and they mentioned that. Uh, the site will continue. That's what Mike would have wanted. It's was, uh, it's the best memorial to him ever. It really um, is. It's and, been very important to me uh, as I uh, annotate things in the blog. And um, it's just a thing of wonder. You you just are amazed at the detail and research he's put into it. It's, it's just unreal. And so this episode, most of the episodes of Treasure Cast, Mountain Comics, my show Mountain Comics specifically would not exist because I was able to use that newsstand feature, which is just a, I would put a technical innovation up there with the personal computer. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> it was just that valuable. And so I just wanted to just before we start, just say a little something about Mike and his and his truly amazing, amazing world site. It's, it's if you if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, 
just head over to Mike's Amazing, just type in Mike's Amazing World of, of Comics, and you'll spend, you know, at the very least an hour and your at your first go just rummaging through the history. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's just unreal. So big thanks, Mike, for well, for I heartily week. second that, and that's a wonderful dedication. So thank you. So okay, if there were six uh, Christmas Rudolph treasuries uh they were of course all the dc limited collector's editions started with the c numbering i'm guessing i don't even know what that stood for but they are c20 c24 c33 c42 c50 and c53 and they all come out basically of course one year apart right around uh they mostly came out around, around october the first one came out october 24th 1972 so obviously giving uh you know kids sort of the, the heads up on on Christmas. Uh, now, this treasury, this first one, is in fact the first DC Treasury Edition. Period. Uh, exactly. There... And you're wondering where where did one through nineteen? Yeah, go? where did one through nineteen go? Like, what happened there? Why are they starting at C20? It was on sale October twenty fourth, nineteen seventy two. DC did publish the the uh, Amazing World of Superman Treasury, but that was sold specifically right. at that event it was not a book you could just although later you could get it as a mail order but the first ever treasury that dc put as a regular series and in fact this first treasury is not even called limited collector's edition doesn't say that anywhere on there the next issue c21 is called limited collector's edition but this one it's funny on mike's amazing world he considers this the first treasury and so i'm like well who would know bet? You know, like yeah, he likes the exactly. authority on this. So okay. If you look at the indicia, they're they're very inconsistent about what the thing is supposed to be technically called. Because totally. they're just say Rudolph nineteen seventy seven special, um, and I'm like, well, that should be C whatever. <laughs> <laughs> in between exactly. using uh, famous first editions in the numbering uh, yeah. is the same thing, and then alternating with all new collectors editions. It it's kind of fun. It's a puzzle to put together. It really is. It really is. So this first book uh, reprints three stories. Rudolph saves the day. Rudolph meets the Sandman, which is not a Neil Gaiman crossover, and the King who outlawed Christmas. And all of these uh, stories, at least in these first couple of treasuries, are reprints. They are from the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer comic book that DC published. By the way, Rudolph is copyrighted, something I didn't know until fairly yeah. recently, which seems insane. That brutal So Johnny Marks probably made some money off these somehow. <laughs> I guess so. And the funny thing about the Rudolph comic, the original comic, was that it was an annual comic. They they only published thirteen issues, but it was across thirteen years. It came out yeah. once every year for thirteen years. And again, that's unusual. That DC had a book that was basically an annual comic, and you know they trusted kids to kind of remember. Oh yeah, every. Yeah. October, November, Rudolph comes along. I've, so, I've got to think it was a great impulse item for parents because, uh, you know, you would have seen him on the newsstand. You would have uh, possibly seen him in the uh, supermarkets. Like, oh, this is a fun Christmas gift for my kid, my niece or nephew or what have you. And I wanted to say that I did say I didn't have any uh, uh, treasury editions as a kid, although my grandmother, who lived right next door, had a bunch of comics for when me and my sister would go over to visit. And one of them was the first Rudolph treasury. And I would oh, just wow. pour over that. I still have it. It's totally ragged. I can't even take it out of the bag now because all the pages would fall out. But that was exactly the right comic at the right time for me uh, when she had that. And I would love going on. And I read it all year round, not just at Christmas time. That's but, great. You know, she had a lot of comics and, you know, I'd be okay. Here's uh, Bugs Bunny and, uh, you know, some Dennis the Menace. But the special one was the big Rudolph book. That's great. And so what did you think of this first Treasury, the for the, these three um, stories. I I didn't have any idea that these were reprinted from you know earlier comic stories. It was all new to me. Uh, I sort of understood the concept of reprints because uh, most Disney books had a bark story that was labeled reprinted by popular demand, even though, you know, nobody was writing in saying, oh, <laughs> put, put the terraformians back here. But the first thing you find when you open C20 right on page one is Grover Groundhog, which is uh, a little fuzzy groundhog with a green stocking cap. He's Rudolph's pal and cohort through all the stories. He wasn't in the Rudolph song. And more importantly, he wasn't in the Rankin Bass special, which was pretty canon. Um, but I loved 
Grover Groundhog. I still do. Um, somewhere back a few years ago on my blog, I uh, started mashing up Grover panels with the uh, Angel Love cocaine panel. Uh, so you'd have uh, Grover <laughs> saying, wait, we forgot something, followed by Angel Love saying, cocaine. Uh, Blinky and Winky the elves. Oh, it's all white out there. Cocaine. <laughs> And I thought it would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's one of Bully's uh, probably more uh, age inappropriate jokes, but he, he loves that panel. Um, of, at one point, I started um, putting up Grover Groundhog panels every, every hour for 24 hours on Groundhog Day. And I think I did that for four years running, <laughs> mainly amused myself, I think. <laughs> I wonder if, like, I, as far as I understand how these things work, DC has to renew these copyrights. Mm-hmm. Like, do they still own Grover Groundhog, or is I, that, I, has that I, been I, lost? I wish. I, I would love to see a big treasury-sized, uh, oversized uh, book collecting all these, but uh, they would probably say it wouldn't uh, gather enough interest or earn enough money, unfortunately. I'm so sure. Back to the old books. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I did notice about, and, and this is actually going to go through most of these Rudolph stories, and this is one of the more pleasant surprises, is the visual invention of the storytelling in some of these stories. And especially there was a page in the Rudolph meets the Sandman where the page is horizontal. Yes. The panels are horizontal. You have to turn the book. And I, I, you know, I'm I'm looking through the book again and I, 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 you know, kind of blew by it and I went, wait, hold on, flip, flip, flip. Wow. Look at that. Like they were total. I mean, these comics are obviously meant for the youngest children yeah. imaginable, but yet the right the writers whose names are probably lost to the mists of time. We'll talk about the artist on these early stories in a moment. Right. But like they were trusting kids that they could follow this. You exactly. know, that like a horizontal page would not throw them off. I, I noted in uh, as I was going through them, uh, cramming up for this, there's several pages, and I just love this in a comic because you can't be reproduced in any other medium, where they're going loop-de-loop or they're falling down or they're flying through the air, and you physically have to turn the comic around to follow what they're saying because the uh, characters are upside down, the word balloons are upside down, and that. To me as a kid, because there is a one uh, section like that in C20, it was absolutely delightful. It was like, oh, ha, ah, you know, um, uh, it's much later I discovered things like uh, Alice in Wonderland and uh, uh, Lewis Carroll would get funny with uh, typography and there would be a poem about a mouse shaped like a mouse's tail. And I've always loved that sort of design that helps tell the story, but really you know it's just a delight in and of itself yeah it's really really i guess i'm probably going to say this word a lot across this episode charming yeah. just really charming that they Absolutely. would they they know that a five-year-old a six-year-old who's probably just starting to read mm-hmm. kind of you know to this level will have an instinctual understanding of the comic book form and we'll know, yeah. oh, the, 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 the action is going from here to here. So I got to turn the book. Like you're talking about the maze pages, you know, the, yes. the, the, the loop-de-loops. It's, it was really charming. And the artist, by the way, on these early issues of, of uh, Rudolph is a guy named Rube, Rube Grossman. Grossman. By the way, they don't make names like that anymore. Nobody's no. called Rube <laughs> Grossman. Back then they did. Uh, again, according to Mike's Amazing World with invaluable information, he has over 1,000 comic book art credits right from nine and and not only that in a 17 year career not even like 50 years yeah, you know just, just constantly jack, working you know yeah no time for lunch yeah <laughs> right yeah. exactly i mean jack kirby that would be an impressive total for jack kirby oh yeah you know let alone somebody who did it all in 17 years and not only did he work on you know he basically did funny animals if you look you'll see that he had some credits in like leading comics but right. he's not drawing the seven soldiers of victory in leading comics he's drawing some funny squirrel feature in the backup and that's kind of what he did across various various books which i missed the days when that was a a, a draw in a comic um yeah I, I grew up on funny animal comics i still love them yeah um he also apparently worked on the rudolph the red reindeer newspaper strip which is a thing i did not know existed i did not know that yeah uh he passed away in 1964 um and which i would imagine that was you know 
whether his career would have continued on as funny animals got more and more, you know, pushed by the wayside. We don't know, but I mean, good Lord, what a run to draw a thousand comic book stories in just 17 years. And again, like we were just talking about to have this much visual invention to sit there and, and to, I mean, you, that's a, that's a lot of extra work and it's really trusting your very young audience. It's just, they're they're all so lively is the Mm -hmm. thing. It's like the, the characters jumping up and running and falling down uh, hills and going up chimneys and uh, rocketing through the air. And they're occasionally they're there talking to each other but it's mostly very dynamic which i think is really appealing when you're a kid it approximates a you know a animated cartoon a looney tunes um so he's very good at movement drawing your uh eye across the page is a big part of i think effective comics for kids as they're just learning as they're just learning the medium and he was a master and i have looked uh up some of his other stuff and it's all pretty impressive and as far as i can tell he's inking his own material as well i don't see yeah. there's no separate inker i mean no, again no. we may never know but that's you know, again it's a herculean labor and you look at any given panel there's a lot of stuff going on there's multiple yeah. characters there's background elements there's there's little things in the in the margin sort of i mean these are full pages you know and <laughs> there's marvelous visual acting of the characters you know their eyes bug out or you know huge smile curling up you know a panic with the the little uh uh, droplets of sweat above uh, <laughs> Grover Groundhog or Rudolph's uh, head when they're in trouble with Santa is just you learn a basic vocabulary of comics from things like this and I learned it from this I learned it from uh, Carl Barks uh, the uh, uh, Gold Key comics which I mm-hmm. read totally um you could tell the really good ones uh, you know we didn't know carl barks's name but you could tell oh this is a really good one mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, you you'd learn to appreciate without the credits um the best stories absolutely absolutely so uh the next rudolph treasury is c24 as i mentioned it came out october 11th 1973 it features the stories uncle Blugel visits rudolph Two heads are better than one, and Rudolph and Grover join the circus. And that story has another one of the things you just talked about, uh, John, which is one of these maze pages where they have this thing, the map showing the progress of Rudolph and Grover in their search for the missing reindeer. And it starts on the upper left-hand corner and features these dashed lines, as it, and they go loop-de-loops through these, through these woods. They get chased by a dog. They jump over a fence. They meet a dragon. Uh, and it's, again, you have to, and it's, it's going from left to right and then up around and then down and then over it's, back. I mean, it's just, it's so, I, I, you say this word a million times, charming. It's just so yeah. charming. I I uh, imagine Bill Keen did that first with uh, Billy wandering through family the circus, neighborhood. Yeah. But uh, it's the same sort of appeal and all these fascinating things we're seeing. And the dragon you mentioned, it's in the lower left-hand corner. And the narration says, there isn't really a dragon because dragons aren't real. But we thought we'd draw one here anyway, which just cracks me up. Isn't that and amazing to break the fourth yeah. wall like that for probably a There's a lot of really casual period? breaking of the fourth wall. And I love it every time they do it. There's a bull in the lower uh, right-hand corner who's uh, chasing Rudolph and Grover. And uh, Bully doesn't like that pit too much. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't like when bulls are portrayed as the antagonist. He gets a little cranky. but uh, <laughs> Fair enough. That's he still fair. loves the story. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and again, in the um, later on in the story, there is a, a full-page sequence where a bunch of clowns are by a trampoline and rudolph and grover are bouncing on them and it does that thing again where their their word balloons are upside down yeah uh again it's it's motion in one image without having to do multiple panels and it's perfectly accessible and readable Uh, you understand what's going on you can read it in sequence uh it's hilarious the physical act again of turning this big ass comic around must uh been just a delight to kids right and for a dollar you know like your parents yeah. are buying this for you and for yeah. a buck it, it's not 12 cents like a regular comic is it's a little more of an investment but you might get it as a gift so <laughs> oh you could tell they're definitely meant for that because like the inside cover 
it even has the little this book belongs to oh yeah with the open space which is what they used to do for like or probably still do for like golden books you know they uh, don't they, do that they, for comics they, did it they for do it here all sorts of books uh in that age i was a big fan of the oz books and collected them all and all of them have this very elaborate uh, uh page where you can fill in your name and i i was kind of anal about uh, not writing in my book so i didn't <laughs> uh do that but the beautiful illustrations by john r neal and you know this is the property of <laughs> and um to put that in a comic book it made it feel more permanent in addition to the size it's like this is something you're going to save and treasure uh and like i said i have the c20 that my grandmother had and it's not only a great book but it reminds me of time spent with my grandmother who i miss very much no oh, that's really very sweet um something else these all these books have are lots of puzzle pages lots right. of activity pages there's a coloring page there's like a secret secret message page there's a draw santa page there's a thing with grover there's this stuff where you can you you know you can roll up and make tricks it's it's all sort it, it you're this is meant to tie up a kid for several hours oh, yeah you yeah. know um and i again uh the one i had had a lot of puzzles in it and my thought of don't write in comics, uh, you, you, you <laughs> don't write in your books. Um, I didn't do any of the puzzles there, but I, I think I wrote them down on separate pieces of paper and filled them out. Uh, you know, oh, that's the code. I'm going to work on that. I love, <laughs> and there's this is on several of them on the back cover, which would have been a more heavy stock card cover. Yes. Um, a tabletop diorama. The diorama, yeah. A background, and then there was a uh, cutout with Rudolph or Santa, or who, and so the background would bend, and the foreground would be stuck in front of it, so it would be, give you like a three-dimensional display to put on your table. And um, a couple of years ago, I said to myself, oh, you know, I should uh, scan those and then have Bully construct them. I haven't done that, but that should be something to do. <laughs> We've joked about that across over across the episodes because as a kid, like you, I was I I very rarely would do that to the back covers of my comics because right, I, yeah. I cared about them too much. But when I did, these things were impossible to do because yeah, the, yeah. the cuts were just way so too tiny. intricate. Yeah, and working with the little scissors with the curve on them. Yeah, the right. <laughs> exactly. You Bully can't, isn't you, allowed to use the adult scissors. So I was going to add, you're never going to give Bully an exacto knife. That's terribly <laughs> easy. His hooves can't hold it properly. Yep. It's, it's yeah. It's I, I try. I've tried to even as an adult I try to do them, and even even that I get frustrated. Like, oh, forget it. Like it's just so hard. There's do. a Fire Sign Theater album that has the same thing, and I remember getting that when I was into fire sign theater which again was in college and i pulled out this insert and i saw it and i just laughed and laughed and laughed because i was like oh i've had comic books that have the same sort of uh, uh diorama on them that's great it's it's amazing. Right. yeah uh okay so the next one is c33 came out november 7th 1974 this features uh finally work by sheldon mayer the great great sheldon mayer the sugar sugar and spike as everyone knows one of my favorite comics of all time Absolutely. the stories the stories here are christmas won't wait and cousin Dodie gets lost which is kind of that kind of sounds like uh like a jazz film or something like cousin <laughs> Dodie gets lost uh but it also features rudolph and santa hand puppets which you yes. could make out of your comic book. Again, it's like, oh, I want to cut this out. You got to resist cutting them out. Uh, but there's no puppet of Grover Groundhog. So, you know, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite sequences is in the first story, Christmas Won't Wait. And uh, Santa's calling for all his helpers. And uh, Grover says, I'm not, I'm not allowed until he calls me. And then uh, the loudspeaker suddenly goes, calling all pests. And Grover coming. <laughs> And so many of these uh, stories start with the premise of a lot of the Rankin-Bass um, uh, specials and there's not going to be any Christmas. So, you know, you're very tied up in this. How are they going to solve this? How is uh, you going, how are you going to get Santa out uh, this year? And they always, they always manage it despite uh, setbacks. And, but you're, you're a little bit uh, nervous about, is there not going to be a Christmas this year? <laughs> <laughs> this one of the, um, the second story features, and again, another one of these, uh, pages these big where rudolph gets right. strapped to this rocket and he goes loop-de-loops and again the word balloons are upside down as he's flying around 
Uh, and you realize, oh, that was just that was kind of like one of the motifs of these stories was this, exactly. this kind of thing. I mean, the fact that uh, Sheldon Meyer uh, covered it, uh, uh, I'm sorry, continued it from Rube Grossman is amazing. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, th- this is the look of the stories and this is how they do. And the comedy, as I was rereading it, it reminded me a lot of something like Abbott and Costello, because you've got the slightly more intelligent and then the little uh, fat, uh, you know, dumb guy who means well, but he's always screwing up. But then I was looking again at this one and the physical comedy is amazing. You know, they're, they're in a tree and then they get stuck to an eagle. They get stuck to an eagle's beak and then they try and fly a kite and it feels like a Buster Keaton film. You know, they're talking, it's a cartoon, but still they're going through these amazing stunts and you can just sort of uh, see it in animated form. It's absolute fun and you can see why uh, kids would love it and why I still love it. The charm and skill of Sheldon Mayer is really that you can still love these comics. Absolutely. Uh, I will say the back uh, diorama, which is Rudolph atop the rocket that he's in in this story. I, I don't like to make these sorts of jokes because it's just like, oh, you know, whatever. <laughs> but it does, it it gives, it just reminds me ever so slightly of Slim Whitman on the bomb yeah. and Dr. Strange. <laughs> Couldn't help it, it. It's, um, I used to do a feature called Ten of a Kind, where you take uh, 10 comics covers that have similar themes or, uh, you know, continuous uh, characters or what have you. And one time I did characters riding on rockets like that you know it was kitty pride on the missile and captain marvel on a uh you know bomb that was heading for germany and if this had been on the cover i would have been able to use that for <laughs> for that feature because it's like something very phallic about riding on a, a big rocket but yet uh, it's a funny it's a funny visual for kids it is it really is so um so the next one is c42 it came out november 6 1975 features two stories by sheldon mayer christmas by computer wow the 70s <laughs> ahead of the ahead of the curve here and humperdinck the hunter and the dingling bird and although it does not mention it on the cover uh, I'm going to assume that these are all new stories because, first of all, Christmas by computer. I mean, yeah. I, I, well, I, you know what? I take it back. It does say on the cover, new giant adventures. Exactly. So I guess that means that these are these are new stories to this. Um, they were still using the phrase limited collector's edition. Mm-hmm. But uh, these, these, as far as I can tell, are new. I don't believe they were uh, done in the 50s uh, comic series. And, uh, you know. It's hard to tell what the impression of them would have been, but uh, if you had, you know, a bunch of the Rudolph comics, and if you had the treasuries, you would have said, oh, "Okay, I remember this story from." And then all of a sudden, new, brand new comics featuring your favorite character for Christmas, and it's just the the idea that nothing ever runs smoothly every Christmas Mm -hmm. Um, because most of the stories you can read, there's two or three stories in each as this is what's happening this year Uh, in sequence, you know, the the computer screws up and uh, starts uh, doing Christmas in reverse. And uh, you wonder when the TRS 80 uh, uh, radio shack kids are going to (laughs) come in and fix it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we would have had to wait a couple more years for Paul Kupperberg to invent yeah. that, unfortunately. But yeah, that would have been that would have been awesome. Uh, speaking of crossovers, you know, knowing that these are all original pieces by Sheldon Mayer, it is a little bit of a shame that he did not decide one story to kind of like throw in his other characters, like do right, like Sugar yeah. and Spike show. I would have killed to see a Sugar and Spike treasury. Exactly. I mean, oh my god, it would have yep. been so amazing. Um, they, or like you know the other like Dippy Doodle Duck, Duck or, and the other you yeah. know the other characters that he worked on you know and stuff like that. There is a um a puzzle page where it's a it's called a Take a Railroad Trip to Funland, and it's a game. Right. It's basically like a game board, and you look first of all, it's beautifully drawn, it's beautifully colored, everything is crystal clear. But the the density of the information, absolutely, uh, again aimed at very small children, is really quite impressive. I, again, did a feature uh, several years ago where I put up scans of board games and comics, and a lot of them were from British annuals, and some of the games were very, very clever, 
and other ones are just sort of parcheesy where you just move it around and knock mm-hmm. uh, other players or uh, Candyland style game. This one I hadn't seen before and really impressed me because it's a little more elaborate than your standard game. Uh, it really does sound like something you'd like to play uh, as opposed to, oh, yeah, that's a kiddie game. Yeah, totally. Uh, and then there's a write your own Rudolph page, right? which features a page That's of original of artwork with balloons that you could fill in. Now, the balloons are so tiny, even at the Treasury Edition, that you would have to yeah. maybe write three words of dialogue. You, you couldn't be Steve Skeets over here and, and filling the page <laughs> full of stuff. Um, speaking of Steve Skeets, some of the sound effects are plop, by the way. we should Yes, yes. I, I know, so. But even then, like this is like inspiring, you know, nascent comic book writers. You know, exactly. they're like a little kid and you're like, you're kind of getting an insight as to like, oh, well, I guess this would be kind of like what writing a comic would be like is, uh, well, this is ironically Marvel style. Uh, right, yeah. writing a dialogue <laughs> after the art has already hey, come Stan, in. fill these in. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> there I, was a feature in the old Gold Key Gold comics where they give you two panels of a gag strip and then they'd ask you to do the, do the final one and I can't remember if you sent it in, got a you know certificate or anything like that but th- this is so far beyond that it's like writing your own story and it's a very it's going to be a very simple story it's a very short uh uh page but uh, again creativity it takes to think of that to come up with that and uh know that uh you're inspiring the kids to think about your stories yeah it's again it's really <laughs> this is really quite nice uh, it's just amazing i I, i'm gush i'm gushing yeah i mean i you know again i i i sort of feel you know retroactively a little churlish that i took so many drive-bys at at rudolph because you know again as a kid i was like why why are we doing so many rudolphs why can't why didn't aquaman ever get his own treasury (laughs) why is rudolph getting so many but you know I, I, it's like this is you get, little kids are not going to buy the uh, Ra's Ghoul treasury. Yeah. No. Or Robin getting shot. And, and again, uh, parents to buy it for the kids. I mean, yeah, I can see a parent saying, Oh, um, uh, Johnny likes Batman. I'll get him this, but it was definitely, this is appropriate for anybody. You could give it to a stranger's kid, uh, you know, that you happen to run into. Um, it's funny. You mentioned Aquaman because one of the thoughts that always goes through my head is something, uh, Chris Sims, said ages ago when comics alliance was still going on is that a rudolph story is very much like an aquaman story because you have to write the story around how will rudolph be useful this time <laughs> and and an aquaman story uh you know like the uh, night boat on the simpsons has got to be near an ocean or fjord or a canal <laughs> and rudolph you gotta write it so that how is this nose going to be useful you know and you eventually find out his uh, official handbook of the dc universe powers which mm-hmm. is like it produces light it produces heat you can put a magnifying glass in front of it and make a laser <laughs> and uh it, it it's uh Kind of, uh, I, I'm. I wish I'd read them at the time because it would have been figuring out what the plot is going to be. Like, how is he going to get out of this uh, with his nose? Oh, he can blink it on and off and use radar. Uh, it's it's a clever use of uh, not that impressive a power. <laughs> Yeah, virtually every story ends up in some capacity with them in a cave or them yeah. in you know, something where there are no lights and root. Exactly. Oh, I've my nose. Well, it's always good, you know, <laughs> I finding their way to, out of the know. igloo. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Totally. Um, <laughs> so the the next treasury is a number C fifty. It was on sale October seventh, nineteen seventy six. The treasuries are now two dollars. Damn inflation. Uh, the st- the story. Yeah, still affordable. The uh, the stories are Christmas magic. The land behind the sky holes it's interesting name and twas the morning after and the thing i love about this is especially the cover because on the cover now rudolph's sidekicks grover santa and winky and blinky the elves get their own little heads on the left like it's Uh, one of those jla jsa i I, I was thinking of you know the jsa comics which would have the uh circles of uh everybody who's in them on the sides man black canary (laughs) sandman rudolph roll call yeah i love it i love that grover is like you know part of the team now the the rudolph league it's great 
It's like I said, it's a really, really, uh, you know, again, beautiful, beautiful cover. The land behind the sky holes is just an interesting that? kind of just like concept. You know, the idea it, of these- exactly. It's 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 like they've gone into the mirror universe mm-hmm. <laughs> from Star Trek. There's a you know, nobody's really evil, but uh, there's a Santa who who instead of giving toys to kids uh, takes toys from kids uh and rudolph has to teach him the lesson of giving at christmas the puzzle pages are even more involved uh than something there's a there's a uh a floor yo-yo game oh, that you yeah. can make which requires about 74 steps to complete and uh even as an adult i'm like that is way too much work you know? <laughs> I, I was reading that earlier and thinking oh again here's a um uh, craft i could do with bully and take pictures of it and then i thought no i'm not gonna eat an entire container of instant oatmeal so <laughs> he'll have to do without that but i love the way they tie it into the story because uh, that story is about they forgot to get batty bear a present mm-hmm. um and uh rudolph comes up with oh i'm gonna make him this yo-yo out of rubber bands and an oatmeal container and uh you know kryptonite uh and then here at the very last panel is this fourth wall breaking where it's like here's how you can make it two kids and it's very subtle but they do break the fourth wall a lot uh where they'll they'll say oh i didn't know that trick worked in comic books you know wink wink at the audience and it's just enough to be a little treat every time you see one of those panels and not an overdone trope. Uh, so that was another delight I found on rereading them. Uh, yeah, absolutely. On the inside cover, there is a how you can draw Rudolph. Yeah. And it, the whole idea is that you would use a penny to make a perfect circle. Right. And you just make a bunch of circles and make the make the body. As a kid, I thought this was how you're supposed to draw figures. No, this is not how you're supposed to draw figures. <laughs> it's incredibly complicated. And it, it's just, you, that's not the way to do it, kids. It's only one step up from those ones where they take a picture and they divide it into grids. And you yeah. have to copy the, that line from that one and oh, <laughs> this one from that one. And they never hooked up so your character looked like Bizarro World version. <laughs> Yeah, like they, I know they want to simplify it down, but 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 no, you yeah, it's yeah. very it could take you forever Just to draw, draw a one circle figure. and draw the antlers on it. It's good enough for you. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, so then the the last Rudolph Christmas Treasury is number C fifty three. It was on sale October thirteenth, nineteen seventy seven. The book has now moved over to its all new collector's edition right. title. It would go back to limited collector's edition a couple issues later, as you mentioned earlier. Like the they were just playing fast and loose. With the with the copy of the, the I, title I, pages, yeah. I have no idea how that worked in terms of, you know, you you can tell when they change a title on something, it was uh, to keep the second class mailing license, which mm-hmm. was a cheaper mm-hmm. rate. And I can't I can't imagine these being mailed. Um, uh, they probably had a mail order division for them, but they did, uh, yeah. You know, as opposed to the subscription uh, comics, it was just oh, what whatever you fit in the indicia there, you know. <laughs> Uh, Julia Schwartz was out that day, so it didn't match what had been in there before. <laughs> yeah, uh, like I said, they they were just like, all right, well, all new, limited, it's fine, it's all good. The stories are one only, excuse me, only two days to Christmas and giant problem. Uh, there's a really again, a little charming little sort of just you know storytelling device of where we see this bear that is asleep and he's under the ground because of course he's hibernating oh, yeah. like an and- X-ray. Yeah, and it's it's right, and he's we see him under the ground, and it's just a cutaway. And again, I always find that to be just visually a charming way of showing it, of like, oh, here's what you would be looking at, as if you could sort of see through the crusts of the earth right. to everything. Uh, again, it, it it's it's assuming that a even as a kid as small as four or five is going to understand that on just a primitive I- level. I might have been a really obnoxious little precocious brat and said, well, we have seen in previous issues that Batty Bear's cave is some distance from uh, Santa's workshop. It's not underneath it. What's up with this? This is clearly non-canon. Uh, <laughs> little Junior I, Roy I, Thomas I over here. one because it's, oh, we finished all our work before, two days before Christmas. So, you know, two days off because, you know, Santa's just got to be a bear about personal days off and sick time. Uh, but they have a party and they have to keep it quiet so they don't wake up Batty Bear during his hibernation. <laughs> and then it all escalates from there. It always escalates. It always escalates. Uh, there is a uh, another puzzle page. How to make party hats from discarded Christmas wrapping, <laughs> which features no less than 
18 steps yes. to complete. And I just, again, they expect a child to sit here and that, do this. When as an adult, I'd be like around step seven, I'd be like, I'm out. I'm done. Let's go buy some party hats. <laughs> um, uh, I'm sure there were kids who did all of these. I'm but sure uh, yeah, A lot of them were very accessible. And yeah, oh, yeah, I want to do the code. I loved codes. But uh, the construction projects are always a little bit overthought. <laughs> <laughs> they remind me of the uh the 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 interstitials on the super friends cartoons where they yeah. would teach oh, kids yeah. you know hey you yeah. can make a maraca yeah. out of some beans <laughs> and an old paper cup and you cover it over yeah, you, Aquaman, you, you, know? you do that uh wonder woman you do that. <laughs> so as i mentioned that's the last christmas treasury dc would do a rudolph's summer fun all original special treasury in 1978 again with uh with the uh dan greenfield and i covered apparently there was going to be and we sort of talked about this briefly in just the previous episode on the uh treasuries that never were with chris franco and i that there was going to be an all original easter parade rudolph treasury that that. never got made the the art to the cover exists and you can you can find it on actually um on the 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 treasuries the gallery page with the treasury cast because we talk about it it got scrapped um and it you know that's a shame because rudolph summer fun i thought was actually very charming it's all one big story and it you know like i guess it didn't sell very well the treasuries were already kind of on their way out but i mean you could see that they could have plugged rudolph into all sorts of different locations if that had done well rudolph goes to paris Rudolph, you know, Arbor Day special. Yeah, Halloween, you know, I mean, yeah. why not? You know, that would have been really <laughs> They cool. are kind of universal characters. I mean, uh, you know, Santa works all year round, so why not? Does Rudolph, in your mind, from reading these, have a distinct personality? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. It fits in with the Rankin-Bass Rudolph. Uh, you know, and I imagine these would take place afterwards. And, you know, the reason Hermie the Elf isn't here, because he went down to New Paltz and got his own dentist uh, uh, office. <laughs> But um, it, it all fits together, and this is, to me, probably the definitive version of Rudolph, even more than the cartoons. I think that, you know, well before the Marvel or DC universes for me, when I was reading them, maybe only the Barks comics, uh, too, were introducing me to a collection of stories that felt canon, that these collection of stories were part of the whole Rudolph legend. Uh, and, you know, you got Grover Groundhog and Blinky and Winky and Batty Bear. They're all part of the Christmas stories of a better world where Christmas always comes. You know, wh- whether or not uh, the reindeer and the little groundhog screw up everything in the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, they're always very hopeful. And uh, we end every story with a happy ending, which, you know, yeah, for kids, uh, you, you do that. But at the same time, it's that Christmas spirit welling up within you. And uh, I think that's kind of it appealed to me as an adult uh, at the same time that it appeals to bully as a, as a little stuffed bull is that these work on different levels and they're just fun. They really are. Um, and then there was one other one worth mentioning. And this is something, again, we brought it up last month on the Trudgy Never Wear episode that in DC, that one, yeah. basically DC moved over from treasuries to digests there was slight overlap but not a lot and early on is a like i think it's number four there's a rudolph digest right a rudolph christmas digest and i think what gives the game away that this was meant to be a treasury that they just imparted over into the digest is that that there are puzzle pages Mm. in the back and you know they're reprinted at the size of a digest which would make which means you have to have a you know, like a jeweler's loop to be able to complete some of these <laughs> the tests. Very they, fine line. Pen. Yeah. And I don't think they thought it. They they just were like, just take it all and move it over. And so that to me tells me this was probably meant to be one last Christmas digest and the treasuries at that point were going away. And they said, well, let's just put it in this new format. Well, I remember, uh, as, the digest. Uh, as you said, I had listened to this part of uh, your last podcast, um, Adventure Comics when mm-hmm. you know, let, let, let's bring it back but we're gonna make these uh legion stories uh microscopic and it was fine for the earlier ones from the late 50s to the 60s then you get into where they're reprinting uh grell and cockrum and you're peering at the page you know <laughs> and this is the cheapest newsprint you could buy and mm-hmm. you can see the other side through it and i love digests i've got a big stack of digests i had as a kid which are all the uh, walt disney comic digest and golden comics digest and 
Archie's and Dennis the Menace. And they were a great format for kids, but um, uh, they have their limitations, which is why I love the Treasury so much. Absolutely. So those are Rudolph, the Red-Nosed Reindeer Treasuries. I mean, again, he was he went DC's- down in history. He really did. He was DC's biggest treasury star right next to Superman. And that right. really says something. Um, I, and I do not mean this ironically or in any way, I really believe that when it came time to do the R's and in the who's who series, they should have given Rudolph a, a page. Oh, I, uh, I, I think he deserved it. I, I agree. I mean, the, uh, I remember uh, someone asking about that and um, was it Wolfman, Marv Wolfman saying, oh, well, we're trying to keep it down to uh, uh, people in the DC universe. And, you know, they, they'd still have Atari Force and mm-hmm. other licensed comics, but uh, it was about Sugar and Spike, uh, actually. Someone yeah, said, that was the big one. Sugar yeah. and Spike there. Yeah. And, you know, I want to see a who's who page for Angel Love, uh, but <laughs> we'll have to do it ourselves, I guess um yeah absolutely well our our dear departed pal zoom Yukonori used to do those and now his son has taken up the yeah. the mantle so uh isamu get on that uh, <laughs> but yeah i mean you know any character that 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 headlined seven treasuries a digest and had his own comic albeit only annual 13 years i think has earned his place in the dc publishing history oh, absolutely it should have been represented but i they were very anti-funny animals at that point and, yeah yeah um, they just know. kind of uh there were a few uh digests and then they just drifted away that's it so well john thank you so much for doing this well, it was you, a Rob. real honor i said i've been reading your blog for many many years and this was just something i've wanted to do for the longest as much as i made fun of rudolph occasionally i always <laughs> wanted to do this and i'm so glad that i finally had a chance to so thank you so much for for coming on the show i really appreciate it i uh you're welcome and thank you for having me on this is this has been great fun so why don't you tell people where they can find comics ought well, to be fun. Uh, you'll, you'll want to look for comics ought to be fun and you can find that at littlestuffedbull.com. And if you enjoyed uh, the uh, talk we've had tonight, uh, I put a button in the upper right-hand corner for Grover Groundhog. If you <laughs> click on that, it takes you to all the Grover posts I've made. And uh, both me and Bully hope you'll have a lot of fun with it. I love it. Fighting the good fight. Uh, well, again, everybody check it out. It's It's really, really charming. It's wonderfully written. And Bully, J- John has come up with a very distinct personality for bully, which is not easy to do bully when you're on TV tropes page. That's <laughs> right. We, is That's what right. we've discovered. It's wonderful. It's just a great, it's a great, great site. And uh, again, so thank you so much for doing this. I thank really you. appreciate it. Uh, thank you, buddy. You're supposed <laughs> to be in bed. Hey, bully, what are you doing? Go to bed. What are you talking about? I just John... wanted to say good night and Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, bully. I'm sure John will play this episode for you when it comes out. So, mm-hmm. uh, I hope you have a Merry Christmas, and I hope Santa brings you everything that you want. I hope so, too. Thank you, Rob. (laughs) You're very welcome. So, everybody, thanks for listening. Stay tuned. I'm going to run some podcast promos, and when I come back, I'm going to do some listener feedback. Adventures into the unknown. Tales from the crypt. Skeleton hand. The haunt of fear. Dark shadows. Vampirella. The Haunted Tank. The Heap. Eerie. Swamp Thing. Weird Mysteries. Tomb of Dracula. Tales of the Unexpected. Werewolf by Night. The Demon. Man Thing. Monster of Frankenstein. Brother Voodoo. The Son of Satan. Night Force. The Living Mummy The Sandman Tomb of Darkness Evil Ernie Saga of the Swamp Thing Flinch Hellblazer Thirty Days of Night Preacher The Walking Dead What do these titles have in common? All of them From adventures into the unknown, to tales from the crypt, to the house of mystery, to the tomb of Dracula, may be found in the long box of darkness. I'm your host, Herman Lowe, 
Join me every Monday night for a journey into comic book horror as we delve into the secrets of the long box of darkness. So listen if you dare, puny mortals, to the long box of darkness. Available on Stitcher, iTunes, and Podbean. And check out the blog at www.longboxofdarkness.com. Good night and pleasant screams. <laughs> Justice League International Bwahaha Podcast, a monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M.D. Mateus. We started with the very first issue, and our coverage goes all the way through breakdowns. We're going issue by issue in release order, tackling two comics per episode, both a Justice League America issue and a Justice League Europe issue. Now, along the way, we're also taking time out for special episodes covering the quarterly book, interviews with various comic book creators, discussing the plethora of spin-off series, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and more. And when we're all done, we'll wrap up our coverage by looking at the 2003 and 2005 stories formerly known as the Justice League, and I can't believe it's not the Justice League. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Batman. Martian Manhunter. Captain Atom. Fire. Ice. Rocket Red. The Flash. The Elongated Man. Maxwell Lord. Elrond. Power Girl. Renard de Rousse. I mean, Crimson Fox. Guy Gardner. Metamorpho. Booster Gold. Blue Beetle. Nort! Justice League International Bwahaha Podcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it? And it's time for listener feedback, and these are the comments we got on Treasury Cast episode 86, The Treasuries That Never Were, with my guest Chris Franklin. First up is Matt Sorois, who says, Contest of Champions did kinda, sorta, make it to the Treasury format. Two or three years back, Marvel reprinted it as an oversized hardcover that is extremely close to the treasury size. It's a great addition to have. I did not know that, Matt. The reason the pages were used was due to the fact that anchor Pablo Marcus was never informed the project was canceled. He continued to work on the pages and he was he was given, then send them to Mark Gruenwald and inquired as to when he'd get the rest of them. Gruenwald was the one who decided to rework the story. It was uh, rewritten to accommodate what they could, and most of the artwork that was redone was to update costumes and team rosters. The behind-the-scenes story was told by Tom DeFalco in the trade reprints. It's a heck of a story worth tracking down for his forward alone. That is awesome information, Matt. Thank you. I love it. I love that this nobody told Pablo this stopped working. Uh, Rob McCarthy says, uh, this all makes so much sense. Contest of Champions, you'll see every superhero. Five of them do something. Those huge group shots would be better, larger. Agreed, Rob. Bucky749 offers, he says, there should be a Plastic Man and Friends treasury. Essentially, it would be a book of all the backup stories from the Super Friends comics. The cover would be Plastic Man and the rest popping out of a TV. Totally would have bought that, Bucky. I'd buy it now. Super Captain says, very informative episode. I love Superman and I'm a Kurt Swan fan, but I was most interested in the info in the Contest of Champions. I am a huge Olympics nerd, me too. So I need to track down the Winter Olympics specially reference, especially since the 1980 Winter Games were the first I watched and hold a special place in my memory. I think that I had one or at most two issues of Contest of Champions as a kid and picked up the entire series as a trade. Chris may have put his finger on the reason why I loved it so much when he mentioned the similarity with the Global Guardians from the Super Friends. I am a sucker for teams of international heroes. Does anyone know if Shamrock, Blitzkrieg, Defensor, or especially Talisman appeared anywhere else? Talisman, being an Aboriginal hero from Australia and having quite a unique power set, would be fascinating to explore. I was a little disappointed in Shamrock and her luck powers. Well, I guess we were fortunate that her powers weren't a dancing jig or the ability to consume large quantities of alcohol, and she wasn't a leprechaun. If I had a choice of story to make it into a treasure edition, it would be the JLA Avengers series. Busek and Perez were at the top of their game, and you get the most characters and most epic scenes possible. Perfect for widescreen format. And Bucky's idea about an amalgam treasury book could be fun, too. Just finished rereading several of those, and the concept is timeless. Yeah, that I probably should have spent a little bit of time in that episode, you know, pitching what 
we, Chris and I would have loved as treasuries, but I guess there's just so many to pick from. I wouldn't have lim- been able to limit it down. But yes, of course, JLA Avengers, unnatural for the uh, the treasury format. Captain Entropy says, Rob and Chris, this was a very interesting, also a lot of fun episode. You got me thinking about if DC had done War Comics treasuries. A lot of the war stories were repetitive, but the treasuries, like the Digest, were always opportunities to pick best of material. So they probably would have been outstanding. And with all those breathtaking Joe Kubert covers, they would have to have been a color cover gallery, presumably with the covers in full color and at full treasury page size. In fact, DC should publish a hardcore coffee table book at treasury size of just those covers with inside info on the back page of each one. Adam, Andy, maybe you should get with Uncle Paul Levitz and figure this out. Yeah, totally. Captain Entry. A little while ago, well, probably 15 years ago at this point. There were those books where uh, like the hardcover collections of Batman covers and Wonder Woman covers and Superman covers. And uh, I bought them all. I thought they were incredibly charming and, and really, really cool. And I was kind of hoping that maybe DC was going to continue on with them with different characters or maybe different genres. Uh, a war one would have been really amazing. But uh, alas, that uh, never seemed to happen. Martin Gray, who, of course, has been on this show, says, oh, this is so very much uh, my cup of tea. Rob, you probably could ad- adapt this chat with Chris as an entry for Back Issues Greatest Stories Never Told feature. I knew about Action 500 and the JLA two-parter, but it's great to hear about the behind-the-scenes stuff. Rob, did you try asking Jerry about why the JLA treasury was reformatted when you were asking about King Arthur? Goodness. What, with these projects in the Firestorm Corona graphic novel, Jerry had some bad luck. Okay, the Fire and Water Network demanded the Who's Who Omnibus Eye. You sparked Alchemy movie. How about using your benevolent power to get the JLA issues treasury collected and re-edited as it should have been into a treasury edition? Hardcover if necessary, but traditional would be best. I did ask Jerry some of that stuff, Martin, but he just doesn't remember, and I can't blame him. This is 45 years ago, the stuff we're talking about, and, and you know, it was just part of a million projects he was working on. He would... Never guess it's going to be lodged in the memory of some nerd half a century later. Um, so he was very apologetic, which he had no no reason to be, but he just just could not remember any of the the details more than 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 what I I said. And yeah, I mean the, the whole point of mentioning it on the show was to kind of will it manifest it into existence. So hopefully, maybe someday. Ada Boznar says, uh, this is a really great topic for a show about treasuries, and I really enjoyed the conversation. I think most of these have been mentioned briefly in previous shows, but it was still nice to hear some more about these books that never were. And my ears perked up a bit when you mentioned the possibility of at least releasing the King Arthur book as a digest. The young digest loving me of the late 70s, early 80s would have been all over that one. As for Contest of Champions, which seems quite popular in the comments thread here, I ate it up when it came out. Even then, I knew it was a bit silly, but I loved it nonetheless. And unlike Crisis... Uh, not like crisis unlike chris i thought the r was pretty spiffy too the story would have indeed been amazing in a treasury format bradley glenn says this was an enjoyable episode to listen to at work if a sergeant rocket treasury existed i guarantee it would be in my collection now as for why dc didn't move forward with the rostini villains treasury i'm confident the cold truth is that the projected sales figure was too low i'm having trouble finding a sales summary but the team started at the high point with superman then every treasury afterwards sold significantly fewer copies than the previous one that that just makes me sad and i can't believe the batman one sold less than the superman one that just seems staggering to me but i it's not that i i don't believe you bradley just just really just makes me sad uh, <laughs> uh and then bradley had one other comment he says rob i just bought marvel's 2001 a space odyssey treasury at my local comic shop's black friday sale any chance you could cover it soon you know it's funny you mentioned that bradley it has been earmarked well it was earmarked for years uh for a guest a, a comics pro i won't say who uh let me let's just say call him tom k um no wait that's that's too easy to figure out let's just call him t king uh and he uh said he would do the show and wanted to do the 2001 treasury and i said absolutely and then he just sort of ghosted me i i tried to follow up with him several times and I could tell that he saw the messages and he just stopped responding. And after, um, for those of you that do podcasts, uh, I'll go because you could transpose this to other parts of your life. But, uh, you know, you reach out to a guest and they say, yes, they want to do it. And you get excited and you try and lock them down and they ask to reschedule and you say yes. And then they kind of ghost you. And after, you know, you, you want the guest, 
But after a while, you start feeling a little undignified sort of chasing after someone. And after a bit, you just sort of give up. So uh, yeah, 2001 was earmarked for somebody, but that's presumably now never going to happen. So yeah, maybe if you're listening to this, everybody out there, if uh, you're interested in 2001 Treasury, you have a particular fondness for that book or Jack Kirby or the 2001 movie or any of those three, uh, let me know. Because again, it's it's not earmarked now. Um, and then Siskoid from this network says, I often sit there and imagine movies or TV shows episodes that never were. So this was intrinsically interesting to me. Good work, guys. Thank you so much, Siskoid. And then finally, uh, Jim Ball sent uh, this little uh, wonderful little detail that he found. Um, it's an interview or it's a quote uh, from Doug Menich or Doug Menich. I can never remember uh, what how that said. And it's from an issue of Foom. And it was published at the time. And this is what the quote, it says, Herb Trimpey has drawn issue seven of Godzilla. It's the first introduction of a samurai type robot based on the Japanese cartoon character, Ray Dean. The monster robot is designed to kill Godzilla. Issue eight will have the first fight between the two. In the long range, I plan to have Godzilla emerge from the iceberg that has floated all the way across the Pacific. And eventually he will probably reach New York. There will be guest stars like S.H.I.E.L.D. And eventually it will get around to an origin phase two. In the all new Godzilla treasury, We'll be doing an adaptation of the movie Godzilla on the Island of Monsters. I have never heard of this. Obviously, if I had, I would have mentioned it in this episode, in the Treasures Never Were episode, but I had never heard of it. I never really had Foom. Uh, they were just kind of hard to find. And so I've never read this. And so, Jim, thank you so much for pointing this out to me. What a loss this was. I mean, is there any character would have been more suited to a Treasury edition than Godzilla? There was a King Kong treasury. Why not a Godzilla one? That is, I don't know if that material, uh, maybe if I could, somebody knows Doug Manick and they want to reach out to him, he might remember, was this material ever done? As far as I know, it wasn't. The movie was never adapted. Uh, so why was it scrapped? But boy, oh man, there could have been a Marvel Godzilla treasury. Just, oh, that's just, it just again, makes me just so sad. Uh, but, but Jim, thank you so much for, for letting me know about it. That is just, my eyes grew wide when I got to that final sentence of the of the write-up that's just so cool so well that is going to do it um thanks so much for the comments i really appreciate it a huge thanks to john and bully for stopping by and talking rudolph treasuries with me as i mentioned i've been wanting to do this episode for for many years and of course every christmas that went by we didn't get a chance to do it i had to wait till next christmas but uh, now we finally did and it was just a total delight to talk to bully uh he's a charming little ball and to talk to john it was just great and i really enjoyed Finally covering the Rudolph Treasuries, because damn it, he deserves it. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Treasury Cast. Of course, you can find all the back episodes on our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on any podcatcher of your choice. You can find the show on Twitter at Treasury Comics. And finally, if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, just go to patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. There you're going to lock various rewards, one of which is to be name checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Jeff Pullier, Brett Young, Mark Bulbus, David Is Gutierrez, and Gord Tolton for their support of the Fine Water Podcast Network. So that's going to do it. Have a great new year, everybody. Stay safe. Thanks to all my guests in 2023 for stopping by the show and looking forward to talking more treasuries in 2024. So again, that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you next year. But until then, go big or go home. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen But do you recall The most famous reindeer of all Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Had a very shiny nose And if you ever saw it You would even say it 